Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful Christopher Carroza. Chris, are you ready to do this? I sure am, George. Let's go. Excellent. Let's do this. Chris is the chief contributing editor at FiduciaryNews.com. He is an award-winning writer, speaker, entrepreneur, AM radio host, investment advisor, and the author of the book, From Cradle to Retirement, The Child IRA, How to Start a Newborn on the Road to Comfortable Retirement While Still in a Cozy Cradle. I'm excited to have you on, Chris. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do. Well, one thing, the AM radio host has been a while since I've done that. In fact, it's been so long, it's when they used to play music on AM radio. <laughs> okay. I uh, started off in a, in a weird way. I started off uh, in the field of physics and astronomy, and I ended up getting into investments. Don't yes. ask me how. Uh, probably because it was the only job available in 1982. Uh, and just from there, I've kind of used that sort of mathematical craziness uh, to work into what I'm doing, and I also like to write. I actually started writing a long, long time ago, probably before I was even in school. But it was more of a hobby for a while, and then it got a little bit more serious. In fact, I hated English in high school. My my high school English teacher, though, said I was destined to have a career in writing, and I laughed at him. Uh, so now he's probably laughing at me. <laughs> I got it. So was it was it fiction that you fell in love with? Or you probably weren't writing documentaries back then. Well, no, it was <laughs> the 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 funny thing was I was a science guy, and and everyone thought I liked science fiction, and and other than Star Trek, I wasn't really a big science fiction reader. When I was in tenth grade, we had a an assignment to write an analysis on a novel, and I convinced most of my class to boycott that homework assignment. The teacher was smart. The teacher said, all right, tell you what, you could you could not do it. I'll give you a choice. You either write the analysis on the novel or you write your own novel. Mm. I was the only one in class who wrote my own novel. It stunk, but, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I write it. mostly mostly nonfiction, just about finance, obviously, and a little bit about history of Western New York, where I'm from. Uh, and I do write a lot of columns, both financial columns and general interest columns for the various publications I write for. Got it. Excellent. So you've been in the financial space for a good little while. The new book, uh, obviously, helping set your set your kid up for a successful future. What what brought that about? Well, that's that's one of those stories where it all started with a mistake. One of my earlier books called "Hey, What's My Number." It's written for the the audience. Or actually, it's written for probably somebody around 25 years old who's just starting off and needs to know what to invest in their 401k account. Not not what to invest in, but how much to save in their 401k account. And in that book, I use an example that I that I would often show Boy Scouts when I would teach them their personal management or financial management merit badge. And it would show them what would happen if they saved $1,000 a year beginning at age 15, which most of them were for 16 years and what it would be like when they would retire at 70. And then I said, well, what if you didn't save then and you saved at 40 years old for the same number of years, but $5,000 a year. So that's five times more. 
retiring at the same age, same age, the thousand dollar a year saver, you know, earned three quarters of a million dollars. And the, the one that saved more money only had a half a million. And that's just because the, you know, the time value of money and compounding over time. So I was fact checking that, that essay, that particular spreadsheet. And I accidentally started it at zero instead of age 15. And that got me thinking, well, you know, what if you did start it at zero? What if you did put money in as soon as you were born, $1,000 a year? And I did the math there from zero to 19. So I figured, okay, until your 19th birthday, that would be a total of $19,000 because year zero isn't counted as a one. But $19,000, $1,000 a year from when you're born to when you're age 19, when you retire at age 70, which is when you're going to retire now, that's two and a quarter million dollars. So that's an amazing head start on retirement. Now, of course, the caveat is if you're going to put it in an IRA, you need earnings. Now, how many newborn babies do you know that are pulling down a salary? Right. <clears throat> Not very many. So a lot of what the book is about is how these kids make money, what sort of things they do. There's There are restrictions. There are less restrictions sometimes than what you think, particularly in family businesses. But there are still, you know, child labor laws you got to pay attention to. And in some states, there's things that you have to do if the children are models or act in TV or things like that. So I write about that in the book. Got it. Well, I think uh, I think that there's so much value to helping people start thinking about putting their kids in a position to be financially successful. Um, I think just having that conversation sort of with yourself probably helps you to think about your own personal financial situation, whether it's good or bad, but how it could be better. And then how you want to help your kids maybe not make some of the same mistakes that you've made. So it's probably just immense value simply in that. That's definitely true. I'll tell you this though, this is something I didn't expect until after I really got into writing the book. And in fact, pretty much I was almost done writing the book when it really, really dawned on me and hit me like a ton of bricks that this is most valuable to parents who own their own businesses. And it's, uh, I'll just give you an example. I was at a conference a few months ago and right after the book came out and it was a, not a book, not a financial conference, it's actually a, a, a journalism conference. And the speaker was very good. At the very beginning, he showed his family, him, his wife and his 11 month old daughter. At the end, I went up and said the usual, Hey, great, great speech, blah, blah, blah. And I said, Hey, by the way, how much did you pay your daughter? And he thought I was joking. And I really just explained in a nutshell what the child IRA was about. He was so taken aback that he whipped out his phone and right in front of my face, he ordered the book <laughs> because this is it's really, really powerful if you own your own business, because not only can you save money immediately on taxes, by the way, if, for parental businesses, when you hire minor children, you, you generally don't have to pay payroll taxes. So there's a way that you can save money immediately through taxes but then build family wealth. Now, if you include the child's retirement as part of that broader family wealth issue, you know, over the long term. So it's an extremely powerful message for for uh, family owned businesses of which, as far as I know, I can't really find a good place to, to find uh, like a national clearinghouse of family owned businesses to get this message out. If, if there was, I'd, hmm. I'd be I'd be on the radio for them all the time. Right. OK, so. In the example that you use, you use $1,000. Are there actual limits on how much it could be if somebody's like, wow, well, what if I did $2,000? What if I did $10,000? Uh, 
in the IRA world, there's a limit of $5,500. And in the book, because this is the other thing that I get when I tell people this is, oh, man, I wish I knew that when my kids were younger. Well, what I did in the book is I said, okay, what happens if you do find out much later in your child's life, even through the end of college? So I went and I explained how much you would have to give each year, bearing in mind there's that $5,500 a year cap, but how much you would have to give each year and for how long in order to catch up to where you would be in that initial, say, pure child IRA environment. And it is possible. Got it. All right. So from an ownership standpoint, the child is the actual owner of the IRA. The child is actually the owner of the IRA. However, because the child is under 18, it's set up as a custodial IRA or a minor child IRA. Uh, different trustees, different custodians, banks, brokers, mutual funds have different names for what they call it. Mm -hmm. But the parents actually have to sign on behalf of the children. Sure. Okay. All right. And so you could, it could be just like any other IRA that people are familiar with. They could invest in really whatever they wanted. It is exactly like any other IRA. In fact, the real power comes if you put it in a Roth rather than a traditional tax deferred IRA. The amount of taxes that kids will pay on the small amount of money that they make are, are very minimal. Mm -hmm. So it's worth it for you to just pay that few dollars in taxes today so everything could grow tax-free over that time period. Excellent. That was certainly one of my questions was the deductibility of it and the Roth. So, okay, got it. So there may be some kind of a tax liability at the end of the year, but it'll be very, very minimal compared to the the benefits of at age 70 withdrawing Correct. all the money income tax-free. So Right. In and, fact, when I when I go and do presentations, invariably, you know, there's maybe like 20, 50 people in the in the room. Invariably, one person will say, "Well, I already knew this," and that person works in the financial services financial services industry. Many of the case studies that I write about in the book are from parents who've actually done this, and many of those are parents who are already in the financial services industry. So they kind of have a head up, they kind of heads up, they know where these advantages are and they use them. And to them, it, it's, you know, it's, it's so obvious, but to most people, it's like, wow, why didn't anybody tell me that when my kid was born? Right. Yeah. Well, I can, I'm just going to come clean and be honest that I've been in the financial industry for a little while and I do not know the ins and outs of this. So I'm going to have to buy your book because I have a 20-month-old kid that this probably would be a great deal for. So, Well, there you go. You're a prime <laughs> candidate. Yes, I for sure am. I tell you, my disadvantage is I didn't really kind of discover this until my kids were teenagers, which is why that catch-up part of the book was so important because that's what I used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, well, what are some of the, the biggest surprises that you came across when you were putting this together? You know, the really big surprise, in, in the beginning of the book, I talk about the history of retirement. Because everybody talks about Social Security and how there, there's, it's going to explode at some point and everyone's going to be left holding the bag. And, and, this, and in the end, this child IRA kind of insulates you from that. But I went into a little bit about the history of retirement in America. In the early 19th century, this is you know, within 50 years after the, uh, the United States was founded, which is actually – Appropriate to talk about, given we're right around Independence Day. But the uh, the retirement was really a family-based thing. 
is you, you continue to work in the family business and it could be a farm or it could be another business, but you worked pretty much until you died. And it wasn't like toil work. The nature of your work changed. So if you're on the farm, you did all the manual labor, you know, during the years when you could do that. If you were a child, you did easy stuff. If you were older, you did easier stuff, but you continue to work. And so retirement in essence was built around the whole family thing. And just the whole idea now of the child IRA being advantageous to family-owned businesses, it sort of harks back to that earlier era in America when you didn't rely on outside third parties, whether it be the government or uh, a third-party business that you were working for. Uh, you relied more on your family to secure your retirement. I think that's sort of cool. I definitely think that that's a cool thing. So I appreciate that very much. Um, I assume that the answer is yes, but does it enjoy the same protections as just a regular IRA would? Like oh, yeah, sure. There is literally no difference between a child IRA and a regular IRA. It's it's formed under the same principles and rules. The, the, only, the only kind of difference, like I said before, is the parents have to sign for it because mm -hmm. the children are minors. There is one aspect, though, and this – when I've talked to other – reporters, they, they sometimes would ask this question, well, isn't this just something that only rich people could do because only rich people have kids who earn money? Well, I'm not sure that's true. If you look at the examples in the book, a lot of the kids who are earning money aren't necessarily coming from rich families or what we would call rich families. But there is, there is this idea that you have to have earnings in order for you to save. And that's going to, that's going to, you know, select out a certain segment of the population, which is unfortunate. So kind of what I'm thinking is ultimately what might make more sense is if you take the concept of a 529 plan, which is devoted entirely to education, but can be can collect contributions from anybody on behalf of a particular beneficiary. And you just add another thing to that 529 plan. So in addition to education, you can say if you don't use it for education, you can use it for retirement. And I think that would then open up the availability of a child IRA-like uh, vehicle hmm. to a broader segment of the population. That requires legislative changes, and I really don't get into that in the book, but I do talk about it because people ask. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that that probably makes a lot of sense. So, well, a couple of the benefits and maybe one of the drawbacks is I, I'm listening to this, and I think that there are some vehicles out there that are marketed to parents to, to – buy for their kids that require ongoing payments. And this is certainly something that you don't need to fund every year, right? It's no, like, no. It's In fact, it's predicated on the idea that you stop funding it at age 19. Got it. Now, you don't have to. I'm not saying that you should stop funding it, but the whole you know elevator speech approach of it is from, from zero to 19 and then you do nothing. In fact, if you look at my website, Child IRA, there's a nice little animated graphic about what it is. It's about a minute and a half long. It's really easy to see. But in three different times, the graphic says, do nothing, do nothing, <laughs> do nothing. So it really is that easy. And it's flexible, too. It's like you could use your favorite bank, broker, or mutual fund. It doesn't matter where you go. Right. You can do whatever you want to. It's just the idea of, of just do it. Just do it and start saving for your kid. Yeah, the compound interest is such a powerful thing. And of course, the uh, I guess you could look at it as a downside if people wanted to look at it as a downside is that you won't be able to access this money until 59 and a half. So it is a long-term savings place. 
It is, except if you do a Roth, then you could mm. wait. You can access the contributions after five years. And one person that I interviewed actually used their Roth that was set up for them as a child to help fund their graduate school. Well, there so you go. there was sort of like a, a reverse 529 mm -hmm. idea on that. I don't know that I would necessarily advocate it because you kind of take away that whole power of compounding right. if you withdraw prematurely. Got it. Oh, I love it. <clears throat> okay. And how can grandparents take take advantage of this? Can ah, that's a, that's a very good question. So grandparents can't own the business. When I talk about family-owned businesses, grandparents can't own it to, to take the maximum benefits out of this. However, if the grandparents do own the business, then they can hire the child as a model or a, a model like for an ad where they just take their picture and use that. Or they can hire the child as they would normally hire an employee. So that's a, that's a standard if you own your own business sort of thing. But for grandparents who don't own their own businesses, here's the thing. A lot of people will say, oh, the child's going to earn, let's say the child earns $5,000 over the summer as a teenager, but that money needs to go to pay for school. Well, that's fine. That money could go to pay for school. The grandparents can gift money to the child so that that gift money then can be used to fund the IRA. So grandparents can do some things, a little bit creative. You probably want to talk to your your accountant to make sure that everything, uh, you know, abides by whatever laws are around in, in your state. Um, but but they can help. Excellent. Well, Chris, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Well, I think the difference-making tip is what I've been talking about all along. If you have a child, it doesn't matter how old they are, get that child to start putting money into an IRA. And you could you could read the book to figure out exactly how to do it. I love it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So thank you for that. And Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the book? Well, you can learn more about the Child IRA at, this is easy to remember, childira.com, childira.com. That'll tell you a little bit about the Child IRA, some of the latest of what's going on. You can buy the book anywhere. You can rent your favorite bookstore or, or online. Uh, certainly, it's available pretty much wherever you want to be able to find a book. Excellent. <clears throat> Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Chris your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to childira.com and pick up a copy of his book wherever you like to buy books. And I will list all this information in the notes of the show as well. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!